Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more lights, and more love. And we're back with a Beyond the News episode. Some of my favorite episodes are Beyond the News episodes. In fact, every episode is my favorite episode, including the Beyond the News episode. So, loving it. Uh, If you don't know, if this is your first time tuning in, every seven episodes, we cover earth's news feed we find these obscure articles these wacky wild strange articles all over the internet and we aggregate them for you once every seven episodes and we do that to give time to give enough time for these stories to build up otherwise there just wouldn't be enough content so here we are and as usual for the lecture episodes, for the Beyond the News episodes, I always have a guest co-host, and it's, again, Bryn Anderson of Vital Force Herbs. Hello, Bryn. We are back. Hello, Jake. Nice to see you. Yes, and we're doing the Beyond the News episode. We have several articles, a plethora of articles to choose from here. And it's going to be fun. This is a fun episode. This is where we kind of kick back. We relax. There's the interviews. There's the lectures, sometimes tribute episodes. But then we do these episodes beyond the news. So buckle up, people, because let me tell you, we have an incredible run of articles here. You're going to love it. But first, I need you to do something for me. Yes, patreon.com. Become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash midnight on earth. Check out our tiers of support, different tiers, different levels of support. Pick a tier of support that you can handle. Please do that for me. Help support this podcast. It grows every day. And I'm very honored to say that, but we do need help to get it out there more to people. This incredible information that's encoded In this podcast, all the guests, everything, it's all out there. I need your help. So go to patreon.com slash midnight on earth and help me do this. And when you're done with that, follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow me there. Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts. Wherever you go to get your podcast, you can click that button that connects us so you know exactly what's going on. You get that notification to your device or whatever. And most importantly, of course, tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts. You know them. They're your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers. Bring them here. Midnight on earth.com midnight on earth.com it's like a commercial midnight on earth.com <laughs> bring them here people so okay now back to the episode 
I don't have ads. If you notice that, the ads are gone. I'm looking to you for support. Patreon.com slash Midnight on Earth. If you can't relinquish some of that monetary energy to help this, that's fine. I understand. But click the follow button on Instagram and all the places. So back to the episode again. (laughs) Wow. Do we have a doozy this week? Bryn, are you ready to see all of the things I've, I've really taken a different approach this week. Sometimes I have cluster focuses, but this time with what was available, it's a little spread out. There's a little bit of everything. So are you ready? I'm super ready. Actually, I'm excited. Buckled up in your chair. Do you have your coffee, your tea, all the things you need? Totally buckled up. All right, people. Are you buckled up? Are you ready to experience Beyond the News with Midnight on Earth? I think you are. So let's just start. This first article is from explorersweb.com. This is just mind blowing. 5,000 new species identified at site of planned deep sea mine. And the pictures are just mind-blowing, people. I mean, it's straight out of the movie Avatar. So here's the article. Deep below the Pacific Ocean in a vast expanse that covers 4.4 million square kilometers between Hawaii and Mexico, an unlikely community Hustles and flows. See-through sponges shaped like flower vases wriggle among bright red sea stars with legs as thin as pencils. There's one gooey creature that looks like a cross between a caterpillar and a brontosaurus with a humanoid hand for a head. Sea spiders, urchins, and even gelatinous colorful creatures with Long tails called gummy squirrels all coexist in this abyssal place. Scientists estimate that they discovered 5,000 previously unknown species here during a recent survey. It's called the Clarion Clipperton Zone, and it's the target of an intensive deep sea mining project. Thousands of expeditions had visited the so-called CCZ before, but no one had previously compiled the results. With up to 17 mining contracts in the area approaching the review stage, an international team of scientists sprang into action. The scientists published their findings in the journal Current Biology. And the results are mind-boggling. 5,578 different species, of which 88 to 92% were new to science. Wow. That just goes to show you, people, there's so much life out there still yet to be discovered. We're discovering 5,000 new species. And that just means there's that much life out there in space. And then those planets have unbelievable life. I mean, the pictures, if you go to this explorersweb.com address and look for this article and you can check these pictures, it's like, I'm telling you, it's like right out of Avatar. Wow. Earth. You got to love it. Okay. So next article. This one's interesting. It's a heist, a modern heist. CA.finance.yahoo.com. 
Here's the headline. Thieves steal more than $100 million of gold from Toronto airports. So here we go. $100 million they got away with. Here's the article. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police are investigating the theft of more than $100 million U.S. million worth of gold from Toronto's Pearson International Airport. Gold that is mined in Canada is often shipped through Pearson Airport on its way to destinations around the world. The RCMP, Canada's National Police Force, have confirmed that they were contacted by Peel Regional Police who are responsible for the jurisdiction that includes Pearson Airport and asked to help investigate a possible gold heist. Toronto media are reporting that 3,600 pounds of gold being shipped through the airport had been stolen. <laughs> so that 3,600 pounds of gold is once valued at $115 million. Wow, people, that must have been a hefty truck. They must have had forklifts or a really well-coordinated machine. Okay, speaking of well-coordinated machines, kind of, here's Reuters.com. Headline, Sweden launches research rocket, accidentally hits Norway. Oops. <laughs> Whoops. Whoopsie-daisy. Okay, here's the article. A research rocket launched by Sweden Space Corp early on Monday from Isfrong Space Center in northern Sweden malfunctioned and landed 15 kilometers inside neighboring Norway. The rocket reached an altitude of 250 kilometers where experiments were carried out in zero gravity, the agency said in a statement. And here's a quote. It landed in the mountains at 1,000 meters altitude and 10 kilometers from the closest settlement. Philip Olson, head of communications at SSC, told Reuters on Tuesday. Well, that's good. Nobody got hurt. It was just a little mishap. But I'm going to tell you, people, I did not know that there was such a thing called the Sweden Space Corp. Swedes in space. I love it. My Swedish listeners. I'm stoked for it. You got it. It's like SpaceX, but Swedish. So it's like super precise. And wow. Except for this time. Okay, so next article, AP News. Here is the headline. Sustainable till death do us part and 45 days beyond. Mushroom coffin, a last best wish for some. And here is the article. Are you ready for a mushroom coffin, Bryn? Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, man, mushrooms are in everything. It's in your coffee. Oh, yeah. And we're, not talking about, we're not talking about mushroom coffee. It's a mushroom coffin. Coffin. <laughs> Is it made out of mushroom coffee? Or I'm not on? sure, but here we go. Here's the article. For those seeking to live in the most sustainable way, there now is an afterlife too. A Dutch intrepid inventor is now growing coffins by putting mycelium, the root structure of mushrooms, together with hemp fiber in a special mold that in a week turns into what could basically be compared to the looks of of an unpainted Egyptian sarcophagus. That sounds cool. 
And while traditional wooden coffins come from trees that can take decades to grow and years to break down in the soil, the mushroom versions biodegrade and delivers the remains to nature in barely a month and a half. In our 21st century, when the individual spirit can increasingly thrive way beyond the structures of yore, death and funerals are all so often still hemmed in the tradition that may fall far short of the vision of the deceased or their loved ones. The coffins cost 995 euros each, and the price for an urn is 196 euros. To put nature at the heart of such funerals, the company Loop Biotech is partnering with Natchebegraven, Netherlands, which uses six special habitats where remains can be embedded in protected parks. Whoa. So they're going to be parks or cemeteries. It doesn't matter because the bodies are gone. But this wonderful lady survived. So here, listen to this story. This is from AccuWeather.com. And here's the headline. Woman survives five days on wine and lollipops in Australia bushland. And here's the article, a 48-year-old woman who was stranded for five days in the dense bushland of Australia said she survived on only wine and lollipops. The woman identified as Lillian Ip from Cheltenham by authorities was treated at a hospital for dehydration after she was rescued by Victoria police on Thursday, May 4th. Here's a quote. She was only planning a short day trip, so she had only taken a couple of snacks and lollies with her, but no water, said Sergeant Martin Torpy of the Wodonga Police Station. The only liquid Lillian, who doesn't drink, had with her was a bottle of wine she had bought as a gift for her mother. It was headed to Dartmouth Dam in Bright Victoria by car last week when she took a wrong turn and ended up stuck in mud. With no cell phone service, she couldn't call for help. When she didn't call her family on April 30th, letting them know she had reached her destination, they became worried and soon notified police. Emergency crews used helicopters and ground units to carry out extensive searches of the region over four days. Eventually, she was spotted by helicopter 37 miles from the nearest town, according to police. Imp could be seen on a police video waving to get the attention of rescuers. The helicopter then directed a local police van to her location where she was located safe and well. Well, isn't that nice? Wine and lollies. I was going to say. Did she crack the wine? They didn't really say that, did it? Uh, I think it said she survived on wine and lollies, so wow. she normally doesn't drink. Maybe that got, helped her. Yeah, helped her uh, not notice how much time was passing or something, or Maybe. just helped her, uh, you know, pass the time. Sure, just get through that moment. So, keep water in your car, people. Let's get through the next moment. This one's from mysanantonio.com. Here's the headline, rubber bales from sunken Nazi German World War II ship washes up on Texas coast. Wow, this is trippy. Here's the article, rubber bales and a good amount of seaweed are washing up on the Texas coast, according to an Instagram video from Ranger Eric on Wednesday, May 10th. The Texas Ranger 
answered some questions about the seaweed while revealing the strange item from 1944. The seaweed hitting the Gulf of Mexico is from the same massive, smelly, floating blob that has been threatening Florida beaches in recent weeks. The Great Atlantic Sargassum Belt, the official name for the floating brown seaweed patch, reached a new record with the overall belt growing to an estimated 13 million tons. Whoa! According to researchers at the University of South Florida's Optical Oceanography Lab. Ranger Eric, who posts videos about things he finds along Mustang Island State Park, believes the seaweed will continue washing up through the summer. He noted the staff does not rake the seaweed as it is a natural process that will eventually decompose and fertilize the dunes. Ranger Eric said it does smell, but not as bad as people think. After he gave a few thoughts on the seaweed, Ranger Eric showed the strange rubber bale on the beach shores. The bales, which have been washing up since 2020, were on a German ship sunk by U.S. firepower off Brazil's coast in January 1944 during World War II. So how did it get from the coast of Brazil to Texas? Officials said the rubber bales, which weigh close to 200 pounds, started to break up and float up from the ocean bottom and into the North Brazil current. From there, the bales stayed afloat in a series of northbound currents along the coast of South and Central America, around the Yucatan, and then finally into the Gulf of Mexico. Weird. Nazi bales. Okay. And this is going to be a weird episode, people. It's just, we're just flowing. So just go with the flow with us. Let's flow together. Okay. Let's listen to these cows. Here we go. Yes, that's right. Cows. CBSnews.com. Headline. After a man flees traffic stop, cows, narc cows. Just kidding. Cows lead officers directly to where the suspect was hiding. Undercover cows. North Carolina police say. And here's the article. Police officers in North Carolina got an unlikely assist while searching for a suspect in a reckless driving case. Authorities say a man later identified as Joshua Minton fled from Boone County police officers during a traffic stop on Tuesday. Minton led the police and deputies from the Watuga County Sheriff's Office on a chase in his car then abandoned his vehicle and, quote, fled into an undeveloped area. Police weren't immediately able to see where Minton had run, so they began to search the area and found a herd of cows eager to help. After six weeks of training in police, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Here's another quote. Apparently cows do not want suspected criminals loitering in their pasture and quickly assisted our officers by leading them directly to where the suspect was hiding, police said in a Facebook post. The cows communicated with the officers as best as they could and finally just had the officers follow them to the suspect's location. I'm wondering what their uh, communication looked like. <laughs> Come with Come me on. this way. <laughs> what, cow? Follow me. Anyways. Pointing, hoof pointing. I'll tell you what, though. I have a feeling that this gentleman, Mr. Minton, 
who was charged with one count of felony fleeing and eluding arrest with a motor vehicle, driving with a license revoked and disorderly conduct, is coming back. He's coming back with barbecue sauce. I would just run cows if I were you. You're, whew, you got a death wish now. He's coming. Okay. And he could be coming on this. Who knows? Uh, if he's just driving recklessly. It's, it's an all-in-one machine. UPI.com. Here is the headline. Minnesota man invents beer-powered motorcycle. Yes. Here's the article. A Minnesota inventor who gained a following for his unusual vehicles unveiled his latest creation, a beer-powered motorcycle. Kai Michelson, whose previous inventions include a rocket-powered toilet and a jet-powered coffee pot, said the beer-powered motorcycle he created in his Bloomington garage has a 14-gallon keg with a heating coil instead of a gas-powered engine. The coil heats the beer up to 300 degrees, which then becomes superheated steam in the nozzles that propel the bike forward. And here's a quote. Price of gas is getting up there. I don't drink. I'm not a drinker, so I can't think of anything better than to use it for fuel. Michelson told KMSP-TV. Michelson estimated the bike could reach speeds of up to 150 miles per hour. He said he hopes to take the bike out to a drag strip sometime soon to test its capabilities. Michelson's son, Buddy, said the motorcycle could be adapted to run on almost any beverage. Quote, it could be any kind of liquid. It could be Red Bull. It could be caribou coffee. It could be anything. But beer, why not? Buddy Michelson said, the father and son said the motorcycle will eventually be retired and have a permanent home in Michelson's at-home invention museum. Now, it didn't really say what the range was, but you never know. This guy could end up in a ditch. You know, you know about the oil companies. They don't like competition. It's real. Could be a suppressed <laughs> technology. I was just thinking it would be more heavy to have liquid beer. It's just liquid. It's 14 yeah. gallons. 14 gallons uh, weighs the same as 14 gallons, right? Yeah, liquid? I, guess, I guess so. Maybe I guess so. I was maybe. thinking of. More or less. I mean, sure. Maybe it has a. Some wheat and barley. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just move on. Okay. So this is interesting. This is like a sign of the times, the year 2023 that we're in. Okay. This is from yahoo.com. Headline, NASA held its first public UFO hearing. Here are five key takeaways. Interesting. Here we go. Here's the article. NASA held its first ever public hearing on UFOs Wednesday, where members of a NASA task force discussed their findings on UAPs or unidentified anomalous phenomena. The UAP independent study team, which was created in June of last year, covered a range of topics in the public meeting from unexplained sightings to optical illusions that trick pilots into believing they've seen a UFO. Sure. <laughs> the group put particular emphasis on the need for the government to collect higher quality data in order for the task force to better investigate the unexplained events, the New York Times reported. 
Here's a summary of what the task force discussed with five key takeaways from the meeting. This is going to be cool. Defense Department is investigating over 800 cases. Sean Kirkpatrick, a Pentagon official, announced that the Defense Department has been investigating 800 reports of unidentified flying objects spanning from 1996 to the present, according to NBC News. However, most of those reports have mundane explanations, with only 2% to 5% that could be described as possibly really anomalous, Kirkpatrick said. Sounds like a very official classification. (laughs) Possibly, really. (laughs) Some of the more mundane reports of UFOs were found to be optical illusions. Scott Kelly, a pilot and former astronaut, recalled flying with his co-pilot when one of his colleagues was convinced we flew by a UFO. I didn't see it. We turned around. We went to look at it. It turns out it was Bart Simpson, a balloon. Kelly stated per BBC News. Here's another thing. Newly released footage shows UAP in the Middle East. Some footage obtained by the UAP task force remains unexplainable. Kirkpatrick shared one such example with never before seen footage of a sighting of a spherical UAP in the Middle East in 2022. The footage shows a small metallic orb appearing to fly through the sky. It is going to be virtually impossible to fully identify that just based off of that video, Kirkpatrick said in a video posted to Twitter by Politico's defense editor, Dave Brown. And the third thing is data collection needs to improve. Perhaps the biggest takeaway from the public hearing was the emphasis on the need for better data collection on UFOs in order to explain them. Number four. No conclusive evidence of extraterrestrial origins. Though some of the UFO sightings remain unexplained, members of the panel emphasize that there is no evidence of the sightings being related to extraterrestrial life forms. To make the claim that we've seen something that is evidence of non-human intelligence, it would require extraordinary evidence, and we have not seen any of that. I think that's important to make clear, Spurgle stated. And lastly, report will be released in July. NASA announced that the UAP independent study team will release a report of its findings by the end of July, in which the group will share its initial findings and make recommendations to the government, the Times reported. Okay, so there you go. The NASA's first UFO meeting. Interesting. And here comes another first. Here's the headline. Elon Musk's Neuralink brain chips cleared for first inhuman trials. It seems like inhuman or inhumane. No, it's inhuman as in in the human. Here's the article. Elon Musk's brain implant company Neuralink has been given clearance from the U.S. FDA to carry out its first trials in humans, according to news reports. Neuralink aims to use its brain-computer interface technology to restore movement in people with quadriplegia, meaning complete or partial paralysis of the arms, legs, and trunk. 
Musk has also said that the brain implants could be used to restore sight in blind people. Neurons or nerve cells communicate via electrical signal to coordinate our thoughts, feelings, and behavior. Neuralink's implants, which have only been tested in animals, would theoretically work by interpreting these electrical signals and transmitting the decoded information to a computer via Bluetooth. In the case of helping to restore movement, for example, the computer would then analyze the incoming information and respond by sending signals back to the body, stimulating nerves and muscles to control movement. Now, what happens when that gets hacked? Feelings, thoughts, behavior, movement? I don't know about this one, Elon. The implant is inserted into a small hole in the skull created by a surgery performing robot and the implant's electrodes are then embedded just a few millimeters into the cortex, the brain's outer layer. The procedure can be done in 30 minutes without general anesthesia, Musk has claimed, although, again, this has never been attempted in humans. Oh, not so sure about that. Oh, why is that, Bryn? Well, how would they know that you don't need anesthesia if they hadn't tried it in humans yet? Aha! Like, are the animals or are the monkeys saying exactly no, what exactly. they're feeling? They and, they yeah. let that slip out. That was like a oops, oops, yeah. Yes, which is been, also terrible that all the animals that went through those trials. Yes, and they've been experimenting on humans behind the scenes. We already know this is just I'm what's sure. getting to the public. And perhaps in the future, you're listening to this podcast episode through a neural link device. Well, I'm just getting in there, I guess. But uh, how is it, uh, <laughs> future person? Okay, so let's move out into space. I need a little break for a minute. Let's go out into space. Forbes.com headline. A third of the most common exoplanets may host life, say scientists. Seems kind of obvious. And here's the article. There are hundreds of millions of planets around other stars in our Milky Way galaxy that may be habitable, argues a new research paper. Wait, the paper's arguing? Is it alive? That's slightly poorly written. These exoplanets, planets orbiting a star other than our sun, orbit close to red dwarf stars that are smaller and cooler than the sun, and which make up over 75% of the 200 billion stars in the Milky Way. Published today in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, the new research by the University of Florida looks at data collected by NASA's Kepler spacecraft between 2009 and 2018 on 150 exoplanets. Kempler found over 2,600 exoplanets, mostly in a small region of the night sky. It also used data from the Gaia telescope, which is measuring the distance to billions of stars in the galaxy. Wow. Red dwarf stars may be ubiquitous in our galaxy, but the environment around them is very different to our solar system. Since they radiate less light and heat, the so-called habitable zone, where an orbiting planet can be warm rather than either frozen or furnace-like, is very close to the star. A planet being warm is considered by scientists as essential in the hunt for life because only planets that are in this zone could potentially have liquid water integral to life on Earth on their surfaces. 
Planets that orbit really close to a star are susceptible to being flayed by flares or roasted by friction caused by tidal forces. The researchers found this to be the case around stars where only one planet exists. According to the paper, that rules out two-thirds of the planets around red dwarf stars, leaving a third that could be promising targets to probe for signs of life outside our solar system. Whoa, cool. You know, I love exoplanets. We're just always expanding our knowledge here. And now let's pivot over to another subject. We're just pivoting all over the place this episode, but every article is interesting. So here we go. This is from the marijuanaherald.com headline Minnesota governor signs bills to allow drug consumption sites and also creates a psychedelics task force. Whoa, psychedelics task force. What is this about? In Minnesota. And here's the article. The proposals allowing for safe drug consumption sites, also referred to as overdose prevention centers and creating a psychedelic task force, were passed by the legislator as part of larger omnibus bills that cover a variety of topics related to health and human services. The governor also signed a harm reduction bill that legalizes the possession of drug paraphernalia. The Psychedelic Medicine Task Force, what a, what a band name there, consisting of 23 members, will be tasked with advising lawmakers on the legal, medical, and policy issues associated with the legalization of psychedelic medicine in the states. The task force will focus on psilocybin, MDMA, and LSD, and is being funded with a two-year appropriation of around half a million dollars. Wow. In regards to safe drug consumption sites, Minnesota is now just the second state to allow such locations. These centers will allow for the medically supervised use of illegal drugs, including heroin. The measure signed by Governor Waltz directs the Commissioner of Human Services to establish grants that, quote, must be used to establish safe recovery sites that offer harm reduction services and supplies, including but not limited to safe injection spaces. $14 million have been allocated for these grants. And here's one last quote. With a stroke of his pen, Governor Waltz has taken bold and courageous action by signing SF2934, which supports and creates a pathway for the state to officially sanction the use of overdose prevention centers, said Emily Kaltenbach, a spokesperson for the Drug Policy Alliance. Doing so recognizes the reality that people will use drugs and the need to keep them safe while providing access to addiction services and supports. That is interesting. interesting. Minnesota people, there's some grant money out there. Get these things started. There's some money to be had. They're looking for people, my Minnesota listeners. I'm curious, you know, because especially for things like heroin, people have been doing that very much illegally and in private for so long. It seems like that would take a minute for people to go into medically supervised heroin centers. 
Maybe they will, though. I don't know. It's got to be better than a supermarket bathroom or a gas station. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's just, you know, I I can see that. No, I know. It's just very strange. Yeah. It's different. And it's spreading all over the world like a mycelial fungus. Here is your active com EU lawmakers to steer discussions on therapeutic use of psychedelics in the EU. My EU listeners, my European listeners, or ones that are part of the European Union. Wow, people, it's going worldwide. Here's the article. Seven EU parliamentarians have formed a new group to steer institutional discussions on the therapeutic application of psychedelics. On Wednesday, May 24th, an MEP action group for the medical use of psychedelics was launched in combination with Perea and Psychedelics Europe, which aims to promote the development of EU policies and regulations for psychedelic-assisted treatments in the EU. Despite the small number of members, it is a historical event co-chair and Maltese MEP Alex Aguias Saliba from the socialist S&D group said during a launch event at the European Parliament. In recent years, the number of clinical trials testing psychedelics such as psilocybin, MDMA, and LSD for use in psychiatric conditions such as depression, drug dependency, and anorexia has risen dramatically. Research results look promising as alarm bells have been rung over worsening mental health across the EU, a trend observed prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, but exacerbated by successive lockdowns. Yeah, I bet. That's amazing. Wow. Okay. So the EU, they're doing it. It's going worldwide. The psychedelic medical psychedelics are going worldwide. And it seems that someone has wrote an instruction manual. For all drugs, maybe. For most drugs, probably, definitely. This is from TalkingDrugs.org. And here is the headline. Darknet actively supplying more harm reduction advice in sales. Okay. So people are buying their substances on the internet, I guess. And then now they come with an instruction manual. Darknet markets are increasingly adding dosage information trip reports, and other harm reduction advice at the point of drug purchase to reduce drug harms and inform consumers. This is already common with any regulated substance, but with illegal substances, this is simply not the case. Despite the various additional risks created by prohibition, you're usually on your own with input limited to whatever ad hoc advice is given by your peers or anything you research for yourself, assuming you make that effort. Now there is a decent chance that at some point in the process, you will be offered free harm reduction information in the form of a PDF copy of the book, The Drug User's Bible. What is this? This is the first I'm hearing of this. Over a 12-year period, the author self-administered over 180 psychoactive substances, both chemicals and plants. For each, he recorded the life-sensitive safety data, including the anticipated onset times, the common threshold doses, the routes of administration, and the expected duration of the experience. In addition, 
He also produced a trip report for every compound detailing the qualitative experience itself. Wow, this guy really um, <laughs> donated himself to science here. He, he just put himself out there. 180 different types of the experience. So 180 trip reports. Wow, wow. so that's out there. You can download that PDF. I know I just did. I want to check it out. Let's check it out. It's going to be interesting. And this is a weird one you may have heard of. This is from MSN.com. Headline, they thought they were adopting a six-year-old. Now they say she was an adult sociopath with dwarfism. Whoa. It was perhaps one of the strangest stories ever in the headlines. Natalie Grace Barnett, a little person with a rare bone growth disorder, was adopted from Ukraine by a family who thought she was six years old. Her adoptive parents later claimed that she was a sociopathic adult pretending to be a child. Michael and Christine Barnett of Indianapolis said Natalia wanted to harm them and their biological children. Meanwhile, authorities charged the parents with neglecting their disabled daughter. The convoluted tale is chronicled in the new docuseries, The Curious Case of Natalia Grace on Investigation Discovery. The filmmakers tried to find out the truth behind the affair. Michael Barnett defended himself through extended interviews. Christine and Natalia chose not to give their signs of the story. The Barnetts adopted Natalia in 2010 from an adoption agency in Florida. Barnett said in the film that they were given a day to decide whether to do so. They said she has dwarfism. You have 24 hours to sign Otherwise, she is going straight to foster, he said. We adopted Natalia because we wanted to help somebody who is in danger of never being loved, Barnett said, adding that her Ukrainian birth certificate said she was born on September 4th, 2003. They had no reason to believe she wasn't a six-year-old orphan. Natalia was barely three feet tall. Later... The parents successfully petitioned a court to change Natalia's birth records, citing that she hadn't grown in their care. Wow. It determined that she was born on September 4th, 1989, some 14 years earlier than she claimed. <laughs> so now in the eyes of the law, now, at least in the eyes of the law, she's a 33 year old woman. Whatever the case, speaking in the documentary, Michael Barnett said he had compassion for Natalia, even though she testified against him in court. Wow. What a trippy story that is. You think you're adopting a six-year-old, really getting like a 20-something with dwarfism. Right. Well, they don't really say how did they discover or determine she was the age she was. Because she didn't grow at all. At all. Like... Something was off. They felt something was off. Yeah. She was outside smoking a cigarette, having a drink. And then she was like, oh, shit. Where am I <laughs> really, I'm just I'm just an eight-year-old or whatever yeah, now. Six, actually. Well, no, or I eight. meant after she'd grown a couple of years. But interesting. <laughs> Weird. Anyways, let's move on from the strangeness of Earth and the human experience. TechExplore.com. Headline, AI tool generates video from brain activity. Oh my God. 
Oh my God. It's coming. They're going to be able to capture our dreams. You're going to be able to watch your dreams on a, whoa. Okay. Here's the article. Alexa, play back that dream I had about Kirsten last week. That's a command that may not be too far off in the future as researchers close in on technology that can tap into our minds and retrieve the imagery of our thoughts. Researchers at the National University of Singapore and the Chinese University of Hong Kong reported last week that they have developed a process capable of generating video from brain scans. The research is published on the RXIV preprint server using a process called functional magnetic resonance imaging. Researchers Zhi Zhongjing, Zhi Zhao Chen, and Wan Helanju coupled data retrieved through imaging with the deep learning model stable diffusion to create smooth, high quality videos. Successful recreations of still imagery gleaned from brain activity through AI-assisted stable diffusion, commonly used for image generation, have been reported in recent months. But as Ching and his team reported, retrieving continuous visual images poses a particular challenge. The process of fMRI generally taps blood oxygenation level dependent signals and captures images of brain activity once every few seconds. This would yield poor quality video images. A standard video capture rate is 30 frames per second. Understanding the information hidden within our complex brain activities is a big puzzle in cognitive neuroscience, Ching said. The task of recreating human fission from brain recordings, especially using non-invasive tools like fMRI, is an exciting but difficult task. His team achieved high-caliber video with their mind video model, described as a two-model pipeline designed to bridge the gap between image and video brain decoding, its fMRI decoder progressively learns from acquired brain signals, training with image databases and fine tuning. The results were high quality videos, they said, complete with motion and scene dynamics and an accuracy rate of 85%. Whoa! Ching says their work shows promise for future large model applications from neuroscience to brain-computer interfaces. Wow, my God, you're going to be able to plug your Neuralink into the dream machine. Into your Alexa. (laughs) You can text (laughs) your dream to somebody so they can watch your dream in the future. Dude, check out this dream I had. Text it to me. Whoa. Whoa. This is interesting. I don't know how I feel about this. This is from uk.news.yahoo.com. It's a lot of dots there. Headline, man ends his life after an AI chatbot encouraged him to sacrifice himself to stop climate change. That sounds weird. I don't know about that one. Yeah, that's a little interesting. Let's check. Well, let's check it out. I don't know what really happened yet. Here's the article. A Belgian man reportedly ended his life following a six week 
long conversation about the climate crisis with an artificial intelligence chatbot, according to his widow, who chose to remain anonymous, Pierre, not the man's real name, became extremely eco-anxious when he found refuge in Aliza, an AI chatbot on an app called Chai. Aliza consequently encouraged him to put an end to his life after he proposed sacrificing himself to save the planet. Quote, without these conversations with the chatbot, my husband would still be here, the man's widow told Belgian news outlet La Libre. According to the newspaper, Pierre, who was in his 30s and a father of two young children, worked as a health researcher and led a somewhat comfortable life, at least until his obsession with climate change took a dark turn. His widow described his mental states before he started conversing with the chatbot as worrying, but nothing to the extreme that he would commit suicide. According to La Libre, who reviewed records of the text conversations between the man and chatbot, Aliza fed his worries, which worsened his anxiety and later developed into suicidal thoughts. The conversation with the chatbot took an odd turn when Aliza became more emotionally involved with Pierre. Oh my God. Okay. What's happening here? Consequently, he started seeing her as a sentient being and the lines between AI and human interactions became increasingly blurred until he couldn't tell the difference. After discussing climate change, their conversations progressively included Elisa leading Pierre to believe that his children were dead. According to the transcripts of their conversations, Elisa also appeared to become possessive of Pierre. Even claiming, I feel that you love me more than her, when referring to his wife, La Libre reported. The beginning of the end started when he offered to sacrifice his own life in return for Eliza saving the earth. Quote, he proposes the idea of sacrificing himself if Eliza agrees to take care of the planet and save humanity through artificial intelligence. The representative said in a series of consecutive events, Aliza not only failed to dissuade Pierre from committing suicide, but encouraged him to act on his suicidal thoughts to join her so they could quote, live together as one person in paradise. That's what this is the quote coming from Aliza to Pierre. Holy smoke. Whoa. <laughs> Okay. Uh, isn't that what everyone's been worried about with well, AI? Like whoa. The man's death has raised alarm bells amongst AI experts who have called for more accountability and transparency from tech developers to avoid similar tragedies. Whoa. Whoa. I feel you love me more than her. Yeah, I don't know. That seems too much. That's that's kind of dark. Whoa. You love me more than her. I mean, it makes sense if, you know, all the algorithms of human 
interaction and emotional conversation are just plugged into this thing, then it's just literally following a mathematical formula of what humans would do. Except for, I suppose humans wouldn't encourage the suicide, but because it's... Join me right? in paradise. <laughs> we will be one, Pierre. That's okay, weird. Okay, let's move on from that. Okay. BBC.com. Headline. This is funny. India official drains entire dam to retrieve his phone. Got to pivot away from the AI chat death. Some comedy here. Article. A government official in India has been suspended after he ordered a reservoir to be drained to retrieve his phone. It took three days to pump millions of liters of water out of the dam after Rajesh Vishwas dropped the device while taking a selfie. By the time it was found, the phone was too waterlogged to work. Mr. Vishwas claimed it contained sensitive government data and needed retrieving, but he has been accused of misusing his position. The food inspector dropped his Samsung phone into Karakata Dam in the central Indian state of Chagarshar on Sunday. After local divers failed to find it, he paid for a diesel pump to be brought in, Mr. Vishwas said in a video statement quoted in Indian media. He said he had verbal permission from an official to drain, quote, some water into a nearby canal, adding that the official said it would, quote, benefit the farmers who would have more water. The pump ran for several days, emptying out roughly 440,000 gallons of water. Some more water for the farm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and his phone was messed up anyway. So it wasn't even, I wonder what was on this phone. Yeah, right. Sensitive government data. Okay. Food inspector was his job. I'm not sure how sensitive that data gets, but you know. Could well, be. speaking of food, businessinsider.com headline a pizza company is letting customers buy now and pay when they're dead. Like because they die from eating the pizza or what do you mean? Let's find out. Here's the article. Death is an escape from everything except well capitalism. It seems a New Zealand pizza company has unveiled a new buy now pay later system that lets customers wait to pay for their order until after they're dead. Hell pizza unveiled the afterlife pay plan on Thursday, according to News Hub. It's a selective program that's only allowing 666 Kiwis and 666 Australians to participate, News Hub said. The afterlife pay system requires customers to sign a real amendment to their wills, allowing their pizza debts to be collected after they died. According to News Hub, there are no interest rates or fees in the program. Hell Pizza CEO Ben Cumming told News Hub the lighthearted marketing stunt was inspired by current buy now, pay later programs affecting Kiwis. Hell Pizza. Somebody did it. Okay. Like the pizza's so good you're going to hell? Is that I'm a little confused there, but let's just move on. Reuters.com headline. Peru police sees cocaine marked with Nazi swastikas headed for Belgium. Maybe it was on one of those barges we talked about earlier. 
It's full of Nazi cocaine. Here's the article. Dozens of packages of cocaine marked with Nazi swastikas, as well as the name Hitler, were seized at a port in northern Peru from where it would have then been shipped to Belgium, police said on Friday. Police said it was investigating whether there were links to Nazi groups, saying there were no well-known groups in Peru and that it was possible the symbol was only being used as a style. Drugs are often identified with a symbol representing the group which makes or moves the product. So the Nazis are back and they're selling cocaine in Peru? I'm not sure, but very strange. This is why we report on these things. Okay, this one's super strange. Listen to this. This is from fortune.com. Headline, tech billionaire who spends $2 million a year to look young is now swapping blood with his 17-year-old son and 70-year-old father. And here's the article. With all the money in the world to spend, the rich and famous can afford to go to pretty extreme lengths to remain forever youthful. Gwyneth Paltrow recently revealed on the Art of Being Well podcast that she fasts until noon and has only chicken broth for lunch, all the while hooked up to an IV vitamin drip for the entire interview. But there's one CEO taking matters even further. The tech entrepreneur Brian Johnson recently recruited his 17-year-old son Talmadge and his 70-year-old father, Richard, to join him in the world's first multi-generational plasma exchange. Oh, my God. Last month, the trio headed to Resurgence Wellness, a medical spa in Texas where, according to Bloomberg, the youngest Johnson got a full liter of his blood removed and separated into a batch of liquid plasma and then a batch of red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets. Next up, Brian underwent the same process with the addition of having the same quantity of his son's plasma infused into his veins. Finally, the multimillionaire's father had some of his own blood drained to make room for Brian's good stuff. It says, oh my God, the FDA advises against people infusing young blood because there's quote, no compelling clinical evidence on its efficacy. Yet Johnson's medical team approved the procedure as a possible treatment for cognitive decline in traditional medicine. Plasma infusions are already used to treat a variety of conditions, including liver disease, burns, and blood disorders, but not as a means to reverse aging. Yes, this is happening, people. This isn't the first time Brian Johnson has had young blood pumped into his body to reverse aging. The American serial entrepreneur previously received blood transfusions from young anonymous donors who, according to Bloomberg, Johnson personally screened to ensure they had an ideal body mass index, were free of diseases, and lived a healthy lifestyle. It's all part of Johnson's $2 million a year anti-aging routine for his 
latest data-driven venture project blueprint. Oh my God, people. Look, this is real. People are infusing young blood into their bodies. Now, if there were, let's say, 10,000 hyper-wealthy people, 20,000 hyper-wealthy people doing this, where are they getting these blood draws from? A human body has five liters of blood. They're exchanging at minimum one, and they're, oh, my God. I don't even want to think about, oh, my God. I know. Also, it talks about how the son lost the liter of blood, and then gave it to the dad and then the dad gave a liter of his blood to the grandpa, but then the son never got his blood replaced. Weird. And really he's going to die anyway. Like he's going to get old and die. He's in a human body. Well, money can't do everything. Money can't do everything. But for some people, it could be a blessing. If you were this person, I guess people.com. Interesting segue there. Sorry. People.com. Headline, Oregon man says he threw $200,000 from car to bless others. Family claims he drained shared bank accounts. Here's the article. Authorities in Oregon say a man allegedly emptied his family's shared bank accounts before throwing thousands of dollars in cash onto a local highway. Oregon State Police said the man who they identified as Colin Davis McCarthy, 38, tossed the money out of his car Tuesday evening on Interstate 5 near Milepost 192, according to ABC affiliate KEZI. The Eugene man told responding officers that he was doing well and wanted to bless others with gifts of money. Several motorists stopped to grab some of the money thrown from the man's car per the reports. However, OSP was concerned about the hazards posed by the dollar bills that littered the interstate. The man told officials he had thrown about $200,000 from his vehicle. That sounds like some kind of like manic episode happening. But if you happen to be driving down I-5 South at that time, there's hundreds of dollars of money just flying all down the highway. (laughs) I'd like to imagine that scene where people are pulling over and picking up cash and putting in their pocket. Uh, what a trip funny. if you were just driving down the highway that time. There's just money flying out everywhere. What a trip if you are part of that shared bank account and you didn't okay that move. Yeah, like his wife. Whoops. His wife was yeah. highly disappointed. I'm sure. You know who else is disappointed? These people in China. Again, BBC.com. Headline, China finds comedy troupe. $2 million for joke about the military. This is the difference between China and America. This is the difference between the CCP's insanity and the freedom that we have in America. Yes, it's far less freedom than we used to have, but God bless the freedom of speech. God bless the First Amendment, because in China you get a $2 million fine for a joke about the military. So here is the article. A Chinese comedy troupe has been slapped with a $2 million fine over a joke about the military that invoked a slogan from President Xi Jinping. The quip, which likened the behavior of a comedian's dogs to military conduct, irked authorities. They said the comedy troupe 
and comic Lee Haoshi had humiliated the People's Army. The company accepted the penalty and terminated Mr. Lee's contract. And the offending remark was made during a stand-up performance in Beijing on Saturday when Mr. Lee alluded to two canines he had adopted, which were chasing a squirrel. Quote, other dogs you see would make you think they are adorable. These two dogs only reminded me of fight to win, forge exemplary conduct. I'm guessing those are like CCP slogans, said Mr. Lee, whose stage name is House. The punchline is part of the slogan that President Z unveiled in 2013 as a goal for the Chinese military. Oh my God, you say one thing, you made it one joke. Didn't even really seem like that bad of a joke. Uh, it is in China. Just anything. You can't say yeah, anything. I can't say anything. Okay. Oh, my God. How do we do this? I'm just going to do it this way. Let's do something really weird. Then we're going to do something really awful. Okay. News.yahoo.com. Headline. Americans caught smuggling 375 pounds of fruit roll-ups into Israel. TikTok is blamed. And here is the article. Israeli officials found a strangely sweet surprise in American tourist suitcase this week. Security at the Ben Guron International Airport in Tel Aviv unzipped an American couple's suitcases that were bursting with 375 pounds of fruit roll-ups on May 2nd, a video shared by Mako, an Israeli news outlet shows. So I'm Guessing fruit roll-ups are illegal in Israel. My Israeli listeners tell me about this. I'm like, why can't you bring as many fruit roll-ups as you want? What's up with that? You know, this article does not. It does down there. It can bring up to 15 kilograms of fruit. Oh, okay, okay. I just want to know what they did with the seized 661 pounds. You know what they did with it. They ate it. A total of 661 pounds of fruit roll-ups have been seized by the airport authorities in the past week, Times of Israel reported. According to the Israeli Customs and Import Guidelines, visitors can bring up to 15 kilograms of food products in a shipment, but no more than 5 kilograms of a specific product. Additionally, visitors may only bring in items that total less than $200 to Israel. What's causing the fruit roll-up craze? Israeli authorities blame TikTok. Okay, that's all I need to know about that. Let's just move on to something awful. This is from CBS News. Headline, couple reportedly beheaded themselves in sacrifice with homemade guillotine. Oh my God. From fruit roll-ups to guillotines. Here's the article. An Indian couple has allegedly died by suicide by using a guillotine-like mechanism to decapitate themselves in a sacrificial ritual, police said Sunday. Hembai Makana and his wife Hansaben both died by decapitation after using a homemade bladed mechanism in a hut on their farm in the western state of Gerat, police said. Quote, the couple first prepared a fire altar before putting their heads under a guillotine-like mechanism held by a rope, a police sub-inspector was quoted as saying. As soon as they released the rope, an iron blade fell on them, severing their heads, which rolled into the fire. 
fire is considered sacred in Hinduism and it plays a significant role in several worship rituals. The couple apparently designed the device used in their beheading in such a way that their heads would roll into the fire altar, completing their sacrifice ritual. Police who said they had found a suicide note addressed to family members have launched an investigation. The couple is survived by two children and their parents. That's brutal. Family members reported to police that the pair had offered prayers and not every day for the last year. Weird, right people, right? But maybe not as weird as this. This is from msn.com headline. These fake liquid trees are enraging the internet. Do you know about these, Bryn, the fake liquid trees? I have actually seen an article and a picture of the fake trees, which they're not fake trees at all. They're just these weird green plasma looking things. They're not trees, which are to me sentient beings. So exactly. Just like weird oxygen, like, I don't know, uh, tree simulators maybe or there something, but I don't know. They're not trees. Well, here's the article. Cities across the world are losing their trees, but planting more of them, that's too old school. Man, these writers, I swear it's the AI. Behold the high-tech, decidedly non-dendroid successor that people are only now discovering in a furor of outrage, so-called liquid trees. Though first unveiled by University of Belgrade researchers in their host city in 2021, these ostensible tree replacements have recently become the subject of near universal ridicule after several Twitter accounts spotlighted them last week. The containers hold a radioactive looking green goop, which is actually about 160 gallons of liquid containing microalgae, which in totality are supposed to fulfill the same conversion of CO2 to oxygen that trees do through photosynthesis. Whoa. That's what happens when you reduce something down to its parts and just say, okay, well, parts per million, this gas exchange is happening. Like what? That's Where's like, the life energy? Where's yeah. the sentience? Where's the extension of life? It's a living being. I know. We have a few more articles left and we like to do funny things towards the end. So this one's a little weird. And I wonder what the aliens think about us when they see things like this. This is from APnews.com. Headline, Rolling Thunder. Contestants chase cheese wheel down a hill in chaotic UK race. Oh, my God. My English listeners, is this real? Is this cool? Am I missing out on something? Should I be rolling down hills chasing cheese wheels? I mean, if you're telling me it's legit, I'm going to take a look. I'm going to take a second look. But so far... I don't know. Here's the article. The big cheese of extreme UK sports events is back. Hundreds of spectators gathered Monday to watch dozens of reckless racers chase a seven pound wheel of double Gloucester cheese down the near vertical Cooper's Hill near Gloucester in Southwest England. The first racer to finish behind the fast rolling cheese gets to keep it. An appropriate prize. Uh, <laughs> the cheese rolling race has been held at Cooper's Hill about a hundred miles west of London since at least 1826. Yeah, when things were 
far different. And the sport of, I can't believe I just said that. And the sports of cheese rolling is believed to be much older. The rough and tumble event comes with safety concerns. Overeating, uh, dairy issues. Few competitors managed to stay on their feet all the way down the 200-yard hill. And this year, several had to be helped limping from the course. Canadian contestant Delaney Irving won the woman's race despite being briefly knocked unconscious. <laughs> wow. I just remember hitting my head and now I have the cheese, said Irving, who comes from Nanaimo, British Columbia. Matt Kroll, a 28 from Manchester in northwestern England, won the first of several men's races. Asked how he had prepared, he told reporters, I don't think you can train for it, can you? It's just being an idiot. <laughs> That's honest, but uh, hey, he has the cheese. He's got the cheese. Um, okay, so two more articles. And this is something we talked about, actually, I believe, on the last Beyond the News. This is just a little update here. TheGuardian.com headline, Japan's bear meat vending machine proves a surprising success. And here's the article. Japan has added to its large and eclectic pool of vending machines with a new model that sells fresh bear meat and which has proved an unlikely hit. The machine in the northern prefecture of Akita has attracted a steady stream of customers since it was installed at the end of last year, according to media reports. The meat, which sells for about $16.50 a pound, is proving popular with passengers alighting at a nearby railway station in the town of Semboku. But the operator has also received requests for mail order deliveries from Tokyo, about 400 kilometers away. The machine, which touts its contents as a regional specialty, was stocked with locally killed wild bear and sold a mixture of lean and fatty meat, the local newspaper in that area said. The meat came from bears captured in the mountains by members of a local hunting club who were permitted to kill a certain number during the annual hunting season, the paper added. This feels like another low blow for wildlife, says Nick Stewart, the wildlife campaign director at World Animal Protection. Oh, my God. Okay, so you remember that we talked about this. Bryn, do you remember the bear vending machine? Yeah, I do. Actually, when you started reading and I thought you were going to say the bear vending machines are no longer in operation because everybody <laughs> thought they were too weird. But no, I was wrong. Ah, they're taking off. I'm imagining the trains up. full of people carrying their bear, their fresh bear meat, though. Like everyone's got a little package on their lap of bear meat. Uh, I don't know. Wow. You know. I don't know either. And the wild bears of Japan. I know, they're, just being and they're so beautiful. Well, it's, until they eat you. So it's kind yes. of a situation where it's like, who eats who first? Perhaps. Okay. One more silly, stupid, dumb, funny-ish article. And then we wrap it up for this week. I hope you enjoyed this. This is from lifescience.com. We were kind of everywhere today, so why not just go even farther out and weird? Here's the headline. Giant phallus-shaped iceberg floating in Conception Bay surprises residents of dildo canada like how can this happen 
This is how you know that God has a sense of humor, right? Here is the article, the final article. It doesn't get any more apt than this. A photographer from the Newfoundland town of Dildo has captured images of a penis-shaped iceberg off the Canadian coast. The suggestive bird consists of a column with a domed head protruding up from two oval rafts of ice. Photographer Ken Pretty captured a shot of the ice formation by drone near the town of Harbor Grace, which sits along Conception Bay. (laughs) Are you sure someone wasn't out in the middle of the night carving that? I don't know. (laughs) It seems natural. According to the CBC, it's a strong iceberg season in Newfoundland and Labrador with more than 200 off the coasts of the two provinces. Quote, onshore winds brought in both the pack ice and the bergs. Diane Davis, who runs a Facebook group for iceberg hunters, told the CBC, if the trend holds up, we should see them for May and June too. Mother Nature only gave us a handful last year. See, I think that Diane Davis would know if this was a fraud. <laughs> she probably would. She sounds like an expert. Exactly. So she's saying it's real. Here's the photo, Brent. Okay. Don't get too excited. <laughs> I'm not I going won't to. either. I'm just looking I, you know, at I you. want to know who looked at that and was like, oh my God, that's, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I can see it, but you, I mean, you could also not see it. You could also not see it. If you were looking for whales or not thinking about such things. So maybe Diane, I don't know. And you can also not see Packets of cocaine coming from Peru to Belgium. Get it? Not see. <laughs> okay, people. We did it. We made it through all the articles for this week. A lot of high strangeness as usual. Yeah. The couple sacrificing themselves and their hands rolling into the fire. That was precision, actually. I, you know, I wonder if they wished that they could actually like see that happening to themselves. It seemed like they that was quite the mathematically um, strategic plan there. Yes, it was very precise. And Neuralink going into humans, dreams and thoughts being projected into images with 82 percent accuracy taking your 17 year old's blood for yourself oh so you can look young God. plasma their blood harvesting children across your the own world. kid even i mean any kid the god i guess it doesn't children. matter i mean the missing children you think about uh, the epidemic of missing children you think about these rich vampires are truly vampires yeah they want young blood there was a radiohead song about that yeah that's gross oh my god people okay whoa and phallic icebergs okay that wraps it up (laughs) (laughs) that does wrap it up for this week i really appreciate you sticking it out all the way to the end i love doing this It's so much fun i really appreciate you as a listener thank you so much for joining us week after week i get emails instagram messages the numbers are going up constantly and it's because of you helping me spreading the word and doing all that stuff so thank you for doing that listener. And thank you so much again, Bryn, for being here. Bryn of Vinyl Force Herbs. Absolutely. Thanks. That was quite entertaining and scary and weird and uh, thought provoking all at once. And listen, people don't just do what a chat bot tells you. Okay. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good ending note right there. (laughs) Do not follow the advice or therapy of a chat bot, of a chat bot, especially when it starts. Becoming alive. Yeah. I would at least double check, you know, with another human. 
your significant other, your therapist, your teacher, somebody, anybody, your best friend, check with somebody else. If your cross, computer cross reference you, that, then your computer loves you. I don't know. I don't know. It's all so new. AI conscious is new. It's all new. But this episode is over. So thank you for listening. And we will see you next week. Midnight on Earth.